0: Welcome to Preston Minster. Find your home, find your purpose, transform your city. Let's jump into this week's talk.
1: So um we're actually going to do something a little bit different this morning. Um, we are uh, continuing our series uh, called "Living Wider." So uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, what we're trying to do at the moment as a church, we're trying to mature and we're trying to go higher, deeper and wider. Higher into God's presence, deeper into the ways of Jesus and wider in our reach to the world around us with the good news of Jesus. And so for the last few weeks, we have been specifically, uh, specifically thinking about wider. And so a couple of weeks ago, we thought about wider invitation. Last week, we thought about how do we share our faith naturally? How do we make this a natural thing uh, that we do? And if you missed either of those, I'd encourage you to catch up on, um, on the podcast. And uh, this morning, we are going to be thinking about what it means for us to live wider at work. Living wider at work. And um, the, the early church the first followers of Jesus, they did this extraordinary thing. They were so counter to the culture around them. You see, the church, it was a group of people where young and old mixed, where slave and free mixed where all different types of people from different parts of society were together. And what that means is that the church was literally living out the kingdom of God. This is what the kingdom of God should be and will be in its fullness in the future. And so the church, the kind of the side of of the culture, the church was reflecting the kingdom of God and was communicating the kingdom of God by all of its difference. And uh, Paul, he uh, wrote about this. He wrote to the church, the early church. And one of the things he tried to do was like, say, I want you to, to live this out wherever you are because for the culture they were looking over to the church and thought what is going on over there how can a Jewish heritage person and a Gentile how can they be mixing how can a slave and free how can the young and old be mixing over there and Paul wrote to the the, the churches particularly in two letters in Ephesians and Colossians and he gave sort of instructions of how to live out their faith when they were not gathered and they were spread out again doing whatever they do whether they were parents or children or husbands or wives or slaves or free let me read you uh, from uh, colossians if you've got your bibles with you it's colossians 3 uh, starting at verse 22 paul says this slaves Obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eyes are on you and to curry favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. The key bit there is whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. And that's what I want us to think about this morning. I want I want you to think about your workplace. Now for some of you, that will be, um, uh, you'll be employed. For some of you, you might be owners of a business. For some of you, that'll be volunteering. For some of you, uh, that'll be uh, you're, a, you're a homemaker or a parent. But just even just now, just bring to mind your work, whatever that might be. And um, I thought this was a really important topic to cover this morning. And then I realised I was quite possibly the least qualified person in the room because I've literally worked in a bar for six months part-time and ever since then I've never had a proper job. So what I decided to do was to get a wonderful panel of people who we're going to ask some questions to. So can we give a round of applause uh, to the panel as they come up to share their story? Great. Have a microphone, pass them down. Wonderful. So I'm so thankful to these four wonderful people um, for saying yes to me, uh, which is always a risk. Um, So uh, first of all, thank you so much for doing this. And uh, could you literally just introduce uh, yourself? and say what you do um, and yeah a little bit about kind of yeah your faith and what an impact that has made Uh, so we'll start with John if that's okay
2: Hi, I'm John. Uh, I'm, in terms of work, I'm the head teacher of a Church of England primary school. I also do a bit of work for Blackburn Diocese as an advisor for schools. Um, and if, I can't say that as well without um, mentioning my amazing wife, Jen. She's not here, because Ezra's really <laughs> Um But um, she, we have two young children who are both under four and, and Jen looks after them full time. Uh, and sometimes I think people hear about my role and think, oh, that must be quite challenging and draining and all-consuming. And yes, it can be, but it's nothing compared to, <laughs> to what Jen does in looking after those two boys. And so um, in, in terms of how we seek to live out our, our faith as a family unit, um, at the moment, Jen's doing that through the love and patience she shows to our two young boys and the support she gives to me. And in the workplace, I'm doing that through my role uh, as a head teacher. But um, yeah, faith journey, I guess, I've, I kind of grew up in a Christian family. Um, so I've always kind of had, uh, I've, I've always felt close to Jesus uh, and as an adult, um, I discovered lots of communities where I, f- I met other Christians and was able to explore that faith further uh, and share it more widely as well. So that's me.
1: Fantastic. Janine, so what about you? Yeah, what do you do? And yeah, yeah. tell us more.
0: Okay, hi, I'm Janine. I am uh, married to Adam and we've got two children, um, Darcy's six and Toby's three. And I'm an advanced nurse practitioner working in general practice, a GP surgery. Um, yes, yeah. so I was raised um, as a Christian by my mum, and so I always had a faith in Jesus. Um, I had a really strong faith when I was in the time of youth, and um, then decided from the age of about 17 to 30 uh, that I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And as a result of that, I ended up with a lot of uh, mistakes made. Um, resulting in identity issues, lots of shame, guilt, all those sorts of things that come with the world. And at um, a very low point, I kind of fell to my knees and um, said, right, God, if you are real, I need to know, I need you to come and change me. Sorry, I get undone every single time I do this. <laughs> we really <laughs> um, appreciate um, And, uh, yeah, on the floor, in a very uh, dark place, um, I've just felt a blanket of peace fall on me and um yeah had an encounter with Jesus right there and then and since then I've been following him and he has transformed um he's (laughs) (laughs)
1: transformed um
0: yeah so he's transformed my life and um yeah I'm ever thankful.
1: Amazing and Jeanine, you were saying that between sort of 17 to 30, um, in many ways your life looked great, but they're just
0: yeah. From... So obviously, I was I was nursing at the time. We were married. Um, we were we were doing great. We had great friends. We had uh, you know plenty of money. Everything seemed good. Um, but yeah, it was just just striving to find that happiness like um you know i was in the best shape of my life like at the gym all the time and i Mm. felt and looked fantastic from an outside point of view but inside i was just it was dark and black and um yeah only jesus can change that
1: amazing thank you so much for sharing that that's really really kind thank you david so tell us a bit about yourself
3: tell us what you do Uh, Well, good morning. Uh, My name is David. Uh, I'm very lucky to be married to Claudia um, and have two children, Lucas and Orla. Um, But I'm the chief executive of a global health organisation, so we work in uh, about 30 countries uh, providing children with access to safe surgery. And I'm on the board of uh, the fundraising regulator here in the UK and uh, the Foreign Policy Centre and a couple of other organisations Great, and
1: um, so not much then. That's good. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, and what? Tell us about how your yeah. your, your
3: faith story and what well, impact that's had. Wasn't always uh, quite so positive. So early in my career, like a lot of people, I pursued money. Uh, that I thought that was the only thing to pursue, and um, that was it. Was disastrous. completely disastrous. Surrounding myself with pu- people who. We're also pursuing money, inevitably, was never going to end well. And um, I was the director of a company, and uh, there was um, some fraud within that company, and um, it really took us by surprise. But essentially, that collapsed, and we, we were facing really dark time. Uh, and we just had Orla, uh, and I didn't really know what I was going to do. And a friend of mine said, Why didn't you come to church? And I thought, okay, <laughs> I really need, you know, other help, but okay, um, I went to church and just transformed my life. That I'll never forget that Sunday. I'll never forget just sitting, hearing the story and feeling that it was just all for me. And decided then to completely change. It actually, I wanted to do what I could to help other people, not um, help myself. And have never been uh, richer in every way uh, than I was uh, uh, than you know, as a result of that but um, roll the clock forward 12 years because we're on a time uh, and um, we're doing our very first project ever in Africa, so I developed a project in Uganda that an awful lot of people said we shouldn't do and um, this is an operating theatre that's going to open and during the night this child comes into the hospital incredibly sick uh, baby, um, really everybody thought each breath would be this child's last breath and had we not done that project and had we not done it there and then this child definitely would have died um, but had an operation and survived and the baby's name was Godwin and uh, never felt quite such a strong message of yes this is where you're meant to be um is when godwin uh, lived and is now uh, 10 and so yeah we're pretty happy with that it's amazing that needs a round of applause that is beautiful that is amazing that is amazing
1: so there's a real there's a real shift for you into sort of like i used to live for this then there was a real shift and then almost like the confirmation Godwin, i love it god will win thanks david Abigail, what about you? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
4: So, I'm Abigail. I'm from Bedfordshire and a student at the University of Central Lancashire. I'm studying British Sign Language and Deaf Studies. Um, and I'm also the president of the Christian Union there.
1: Yeah. We need more of that. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
4: um, so my faith story is that I grew up in a Christian family. I went to church every Sunday, just followed the routine. Um, but I, So I knew of God, but I didn't really know him personally until my parents got divorced when I was 12. Um, so we moved church. And I think that was a really eye-opening moment for me is when I really understood God wanted a relationship with me so I think I've been able to carry that throughout my life is clinging on to the word with, in knowing that God's with me in the highs, the lows, to celebrate with me, to cry with me. Um, so yeah, it's been really good to hold on to that.
1: Wow, it's amazing. God with us. Emmanuel, it's almost like it's Christmas. It's wonderful. Um, brilliant so yeah thanks so much for kind of yeah giving us a bit of context for your your lives and that sort of thing and what I would love um to tease out is in your specific context could you share with us a little bit of the challenges and the opportunities of um either living out your faith and your faith values or sharing your faith um with others And I'll let whoever wants to start, start. My's
2: gone. Thanks, Tim. Um, I I guess to some extent, um, because I lead a a Christian organisation in a Church of England school, I feel kind of I've I've got permission to be very overt about my my personal faith in the way I lead and share that. So I've really tried to kind of lean into that uh, and allow that to just shape the way I lead and build culture. Um, uh, and so, uh, a, bit, a bit of a narrative that sometimes exists in education, and maybe if you've worked in education or you've got friends who have, you might be able to relate to this or you've heard of this, is that sometimes there's this sense of you know because we're here to serve the children, which of course ultimately we are in education, that that's kind of all that matters, and and the kind of the, the, the kind of the toxic version of that is it all bec- it kind of becomes all about that at the expense of. Um, the adults and their well-being and their energy levels. And so maybe you've heard of teachers who are feeling burnt out or stressed uh, relating to things like inspection schedules and and, and the way even their leaders might be treating them. So um, when the Church of England Education Office published its Vision for Education in 2016, they kind of communicated this idea, which I feel feel is so powerful, which is if we want the children in schools to flourish, then the adults must flourish. Uh, and so I've tried to really lean into that uh, as a Christian leader in my school and, and create a culture where, first and foremost, I seek to enable the adults to flourish. Um, by, and that affects every policy decision uh, in terms of thinking about their workload well-being, but ultimately making sure they feel loved and valued and they have autonomy and they feel trusted. Um, and then the children flourish. So that's the theory. I mean, obviously, uh, as a policy, it sounds great. And we've tried to live it out through developing these kind of Um, organizational principles and all that sort of stuff which names our culture. Um, There's still moments where I get it wrong and uh, myself and my senior team have to kind of reflect and say, okay, the way we handled that situation wasn't quite in line with with, with who we declare ourselves to be, so we need to go and apologize and and put that right. Um, But on the whole, that's kind of the the way in which I I feel because I have that permission um, I think if I wasn't working in a Church of England school, maybe that I'd look a bit different and I'd feel less confident about being so open about my faith and, and leading from a place of faith. But um, that's
1: living in science into that. Um, so, so John, you're, what I'm hearing there is that you're very intentionally, as a leader, trying to set a culture that really reflects your your values would you is that do you see that's what you see as the kind of almost like the primary aim almost
2: would you say Mm, yeah absolutely yeah Uh, and that and that is you need to be intentional about that yeah it's that intentionality to create a culture which is um and that's how i live out my faith then speaking about my faith and talking mm. to people and being open with people about where that, where that intention is coming from is almost yeah. the next step. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. And I think yeah. at times I'm good at that, at times I miss opportunities. Yeah. So we do things like in staff meetings, we give people, we, I put on a worship song and I invite people to have four minutes in prayer, just in quiet reflection. Mm. Uh, we pray together as a staff team on a Monday morning. And again, everyone's invited to do that whether they're a Christian or not. Yeah. Um, but we still miss opportunities. Yeah. So it's, it, and I think... I was thinking earlier, actually, as we were worshipping, you know, there's, when you were talking about Alpha as well at the start, um, I led a course earlier this week for early career teachers, people new to teaching, basically, uh, all about leading collective worship in church schools. And, and at the end, there was 25 people. I invited them all to Alpha, and I mentioned oh, wow. the the church near you website. But I found that easy because I don't know any of them. Ah, uh, yeah, so yeah. I was leading this, and I don't know if you can relate to that, but mm. when, when it's people I know and people I've got a real relationship with in the workplace, I find it harder.
1: yeah. Yeah. I, well, I'll ask, you can answer, why, why is that harder? Anyone, why is it harder with the people that we know? Why is that more challenging?
0: Well, I think yeah, nobody wants to um, to be shot down. Mm. <laughs> um, and I think as well, you know, you sometimes we feel that we've got, you don't want to offend anybody mm. um, or put people in an awkward position. You know, we value our relationships, we value our friendships. Yeah. And not to say that we don't value, you know, our faith, but it's just a little bit more uncomfortable mm. sometimes if you think. Sometimes there's a pressure as well um, that you feel as a Christian, you, mm. you, you have to tell everybody about <laughs> Jesus. Mm. And um, it's, I think what I've learned is that it's not actually all about the words you say to people Mm -hmm. it's more about how you are and how you display the love of jesus to these people um around you in your life Mm. um i think since focusing on that i kind of feel a little bit less pressure Mm.
1: um yeah absolutely and i think almost what we explored last week was about sort of reducing that pressure and making it a lot more natural so Mm janine What um, what opportunities do you have? What challenges do you face in your world of work?
0: So kind of following on from like what I've just said, like the um, struggling or finding uh, in myself that I struggle to be uh, talking to people all the time about Jesus, um, I started to pray about it and say, Lord, I want you to use me. In every situation, I'm available for whatever you want to do. So if there's somebody you want me to talk to, that's fine. But um, just kind of go before me and, um, you know, bless my day. And and as I started to to do that, it became a bit of a habit. So every morning driving to work, um, I'll say that same prayer. And I'll pray for everybody that comes in um, to my clinic that day um, that they... At some point in their life will recognize that they need jesus and ultimately they will be saved i pray for their protection and um healing and uh and yeah so that's and for me that's something that i can i can i like to do every day um because i, I don't want to say like a cop-out but then it's like it's out of my hands
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah it's kind of like right lord whatever you want to do, I'm available. And it's not like then I haven't put the pressure on myself so that if something comes, um, you know, but opportunity presents itself, I can be, I know how to respond. And I noticed that since doing that, um, the people that I do see and the people that do come in for consultations um, are very, very complex (laughs) and uh, desperate and... People that are very obviously in need um, of Jesus, and actually um, sometimes it really pulls on my heart that actually these people have potentially been sent in. Um, like God really has a heart for each and every one of these people, and knowing that I have prayed specifically for everybody to come in that that person has come in no matter how desperate their situation but they're covered in prayer and um and god really has his hand on them gosh what's wrong (laughs) with (laughs) today
1: there's a lot right can i just say that um and you were saying that you've developed a bit of a reputation at work (laughs) do you want to tell us about this reputation that has developed
0: yeah so we have um 15 minute appointments uh, to see someone, assess, diagnose, treatment plan, off the go, in and out, boom, 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 boom. And uh, it's quite fast paced. And when obviously following for the sort of people that the Lord obviously sends into my clinic, um, people sometimes need longer. Um, sometimes people just need you to listen than anything else they don't need a prescription they just need you to listen and um yeah so i am now renowned for running an hour late at my <laughs> clinics um patients aren't always happy to wait an hour but um hopefully when they come in they understand why um and that a lot of the time i do hear people say commonly gosh this is the first time someone's actually listened to me so um Gosh, here we go again! That's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, and as well, like other like really crazy things, um, because like obviously if the things covered in prayer. There's um, a bit of a, a reputation that I see really weird stuff, like really weird <laughs> things, are booked into my clinic. So um, there's a particular very rare uh, malignancy that people will often say. Uh, clinicians will say oh well if you see one of those in your lifetime of your career then you know then that's rare and um, and I've seen three in the last 18 months and that's not to boast me at all it's um, it's just all the glory of God because you know I'm covering these sessions in prayer and I'm asking God to move and um, I always ask God to obviously give me influence help me to the thing I say every morning is help me to Diagnose, diagnose correctly, prescribe safely and treat appropriately. And um, when these sorts of diagnoses come up and uh, people start treatment earlier than they would have done, you know, um, potentially if it wasn't an incidental finding, um, I could just see the hand of God on it. Mm. And, I, and it's all glory to God. And I'm just very honoured um, that he uses me in this way.
1: It's amazing. And whatever, yeah, that deserves a round of applause, isn't it? I think what really stands out, Janine, is I almost see a patient coming in and you see them as a created, precious child of God, loved by him. And that affects everything that you do. And I'm so inspired about the fact that every day you just pray for what, is, what is about to come it's, it's wonderful so thank you um, David what about you um, tell us about some of the challenges and the
3: opportunities that you face uh, in your work uh, thanks I, I guess like a lot of you you know I don't work in a, a religious organisation we're not a, a faith based uh, NGO and I think that you, you have to be careful then you, we, I have colleagues from many faiths and none and So I think that it is about just living your values uh, as best as you possibly can and uh, trying to display in the way you uh, live and work um, and behave uh, the the gospel.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so I guess as a senior leader, you have the, I guess, eyes are on you. (laughs) people are looking at how is he going to treat
3: people do you want to just kind of speak around that a little bit Um, yeah that's kind to say senior leader I appreciate that Um, I think CEO kind of gives uh, it away (laughs) I think that um, that is true Um, but then you also have an opportunity uh, like you said to set the the agenda and set the tone Mm. Um, and I think that, that we're all human so Definitely, lots of times where I've I've fallen short of that, um, but trying to do it. And I think that when people see that you're trying to do it, especially in difficult times, especially when more difficult decisions might have to be made, um, or particularly when you're dealing with more difficult situations. We developed projects in Afghanistan, and people would push back and say, "I don't think we should be there," and for this reason or that reason. Um, and just being able to. Uh, bring those people with you. Explain that, and but do that in a way whereby you are showing your values um, actually do shine through. So,
1: yeah, that's that's, re- that's great because it's sort of as senior leaders, you're kind of making decisions, and obviously, kind of sometimes that can be um, uh, people view those decisions differently. But I guess if the value is underpinning it, it can really sort of help with that. Yeah, thank you, David. Abigail. So, what about you in your world of U-Clan? Um, yeah, tell us about some of the opportunities you have to, to live wider, to share your faith uh, and some of the challenges. I'd love to hear your story. Yes.
4: Um, so I was reflecting on the difference between last year and this year because it's my second year at U-Clan. Um, and I was thinking how last year I didn't really tell anyone that I was a Christian out of fear of being um judged by them because I think my generation are very can be very anti-Christian and not just like line up with the values that I believe in and as a fresher you want to make friends you want to be included in the community um, and so I found it hard to be more intentional Um, but then this year my lecturer has been very vocal in that I'm a Christian Um, in literally in one of my lectures she goes just to let everyone know Abigail is the president of the Christian Union she goes to church and I was just sat there going yeah she's right she's not wrong Um, but I'm very grateful for her to do that because that's given me a lot of opportunities to share with my classmates um, and there are students in my class who I know are uncomfortable with the fact that I am a Christian and I think that's a good place to be that I'm able to sit next to them in class and still pursue a friendship with them even though we both know that it's a bit awkward um, but I think obviously Jesus would sit next to that person as yeah. well wow. um, And also, like, one of our lectures the other day was about community. And our tutor asked, are there any examples of community? Everyone looked at me to give the example of church. Um, So I think it's, yeah, it's really cool that they know, um, really.
1: That is fascinating. What we were saying about the early church at the beginning Mm -hmm. That they're looking on and they're seeing something over at this side that doesn't quite fit, but they're seeing the reflection of the kingdom of God through your life. love it. Um, wonderful. Right. So, final question: If you could um, give us uh, some like advice or a little bit of encouragement or wisdom on like just how to live wider at work, what would you say would be like a top tip? What would it be?
3: It's because you get passed up and down, isn't it? <laughs> um, I never hide my faith. I'm, not, uh, I'm, I'm very open that I'm a Christian. My diary is accessed by most people in my organisation. I'm put in speaking at church today, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I make sure my faith is always available if anybody ever wants to talk to me about it. Mm. Um, so, I never hide that I'm a Christian, but I equally have to sometimes be careful not to be overtly
1: mm.
3: uh, over the top. So, even if you're somewhere, so my advice, not that I'm qualified to give it, <laughs> is even if you're somewhere where it's difficult to promote your Christianity, don't hide your Christianity. That's yeah, almost like have that door open. Yeah, that's great.
0: Um, for me, I suppose the. Um, the main thing is to always, in every situation, and give everything to to God. Um, just lay it all down, any expectations, mm. um, just surrender your time, and just say that, God, I'm available for whatever you want to do. Mm. And, um, and yeah, he will do, uh, imagine a little bit more than you could ever imagine, um, or, or even think about. Um, uh, yeah, and it's really amazing when you look back at times where God has really moved and that's really encouraging. So never to forget those times where you have um, seen God do really amazing things in the, you know, the lives of people around you um, because that's encouraging for you mm. to keep going. Mm. Um, but yeah, give everything.
1: I love that. And then there's almost the daily, what I really hear from your story, Jean, is that daily giving that day, that I just give you this day, Lord, mm. and you do what you. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, John.
2: Um, I was thinking about this quote earlier about um, it's something like your vocation in life is where your your greatest joy meets the world's greatest need. I, I would just encourage people um, to, fi- yeah, find a vocation and it might just be something you're passionate about or it's hard sometimes, I think, to kind of like decipher and hear the call upon our lives. And I think we can, sometimes as Christians, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to mm-hmm. kind of find our calling, find our purpose, all that sort of stuff, know your why. And that's quite hard. But I think if you're doing something where you are serving others and it's joyful you enjoy it or you're passionate about it then um you found your vocation and you are you are living out your faith through through your work through your voluntary work whatever it might be Um, so that would be my encouragement to people
1: i love that love that particular shout out to the students who are just maybe on the cusp of that that's great
4: um for me i think i'd say don't say no to Jesus for people. Um, mm. I found that relational evangelism is works for me as a student. Um, so I invite people out for coffee to let them ask questions, to hear their story, cry with them, um, and just encourage them. Um, so... Like, I don't want to judge someone and think they don't want to hear about Jesus, but I still want to invite them out for coffee, invite them into that safe space and give them the opportunity to say no. Um,
1: Yeah, that is wonderful. Friends, how inspiring is that? Um, Can we give them a huge round of applause? Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, it's just wonderful. Um, yeah, and I, I meant to say this at the beginning that this isn't like an expert panel. <laughs> this is just some of us and we're just hearing the stories and these are um, there's people who are just, just so willing to sort of share uh, their story, their experiences uh, and I hope you found it uh, really encouraging. Do grab them at the end. I didn't tell them I was going to say this, but grab them at the end and uh, do chat to them if anything has um, stood out.
0: Thanks for listening. Follow us on social media. See you next week.